world-class guests, fascinating stories, inspiring messages. Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about second chances and coming home. I'm delighted to welcome special guest Whitney Chafin. Whitney uses real estate knowledge to provide housing and second chances to those less fortunate, like people coming out of prison, victims of domestic violence or human trafficking, people with mental and physical disabilities, PTSD survivors, homeless veterans, children in foster care, and more. You can reach Whitney at her website, whitneysplace.org, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Whitney. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I am delighted to have you, and I'm delighted to talk about all these amazing things that you're doing. But I'd like to start just a little bit back, and that is that you are a former Miss Florida USA contender, and that is something that requires beauty and poise and intelligence and confidence. And yet, on the other hand, you said that you've struggled with depression for a long time. And those seem like such conflicting states of being. So I would love to hear a little bit about your story. And I love how you use service as a way to pull out of that state of depression. So let's hear what's going on in your world. Thank you. I really appreciate that. So I um, I grew up in a town where... Um, you kind of see a lot of struggle growing up. So naturally I kind of always had this inclination that I wanted to help people, just something that was kind of, you know, bred into my, my nature, I suppose. And, um, Miss Florida USA that you had mentioned, that was actually a platform for me to be able to help people on a larger scale. At least that's the way that I saw it. I was not a pageant girl. I didn't have experience in pageantry, but because of my affiliations with a lot of nonprofits, I was actually nominated to compete in that pageant. And so um, I actually had to qualify to do that. I had to start with a preliminary pageant. And that's, I think, where I started to gain a little bit of the credibility because people were watching me train for this and really take it seriously. So I ended up you know, winning my preliminary pageant, going on to Miss Florida, and that launched me into the direction of helping people on a grander scale. But prior to that, I think, you know, growing up in an area where you see people struggle, it's very easy to get depressed. It's very easy to think that that's, you know, the end of the rope for a lot of people, that there's not much more to life. But I kind of always felt like a big fish in a little pond. So growing up, I really wanted to always do something more. And one of the big things that I did right out of college is I moved to Los Angeles and I was working in the TV business. But while I was there, I had several friends suffer from drug and alcohol addiction. And one in particularly, he actually passed away from an overdose. And that is where my depression started. Really? By seeing someone else succumb and realizing how real and and how um, permanent those situations can be. I'm terribly sorry. That, That happened, you know, in the middle of the night, I got that phone call. And this was after a series of unfortunate events that were happening in my life. I had several family members pass away just from, you know, other circumstances. And that was kind of the final tipping point for me. And that's what, you know, was my calling, I believed at that time to get out of Los Angeles, that I was so far away from home. You know, I grew up in Ohio. So a little girl in Ohio moving to LA was a a big deal. And not having family and friends, you know, around was, was an issue for me. So I ended up leaving LA and coming to South Florida because my parents had a second home here that they acquired while I was in Los Angeles. And then moving here to Florida was the best thing I had ever done. Wonderful. And so a couple things that you use to help pull out of that. One is that you used family connections and connecting with people that you care about. And then that other thing was reaching out and being able to help other people. And those those two things, were those your main um, strengths to help kind of put you in a better place? 
I would say yes. I mean, I, I've always been into reading. I've always been very faith-based. I've always been one to kind of express gratitude, but I didn't really understand the power that prayer or, you know, writing or any of that stuff had in my life until that point. It was almost like I was at a crossroad where I had to look to a, a greater source of myself or then myself to be able to kind of get through it. And so family connection was very important. The sunshine was very helpful, you know, being in a state where the, the sun shined nearly 365 days a year and um, also expressing gratitude. But one big thing that that really, really helped me was volunteering. And I, I was told that, you know, when you start helping other people, you start to appreciate the little things in your life. And it's so true. That's where it started for me. And it, it really helped me get out of that depression over, I would say over a couple of years it took to really get out of it. Well, congratulations for pulling yourself out. I think that that's fantastic. What an example you are for other people. And everything that you've done have really been for the purpose of, of lifting and sustaining other people, which I think is, is so admirable. So let's talk about second chances. Why are second chances so important to you? What, what makes you passionate about that? Yeah, I, I don't really know if there's a one answer to it. I think in my own life, I see areas where I wish I would have had a second chance to do something. And one example was living in LA. I had a huge opportunity to work in the TV business and I don't want to say I blew it, but it was almost like I let my emotions get the best of me and I didn't stick it out. But you know, at that same time, you could say that everything happens for a reason. That's the reason that I left there. You know, it led me to so much greater. But I think for a long time, I beat myself up about leaving that opportunity. And Miss Florida was my first second chance. You know, that was like, wow, this is actually an opportunity for me to be somewhat in the spotlight, but more importantly, to be able to spread a mission that's important, which is helping others to help yourself. And, um, you know, that, that was, I think, one of the main reasons for second chances. But then I've always just kind of had this, like I said before, inclination to help people who need a second chance. And I don't know if that's because of where I come from or what I've just seen through the years of, of friends and family members just, you know, hoping for better or wanting more out of life. Um, but it, it all just kind of led back to my own personal story of, of, you know, needing a second chance on my own. Wow. That is so beautiful and so amazing. And one of the sentences that you said that I really appreciated was that you are helping other people to help themselves. Sometimes in this, this when we're trying to help people and when we're trying to um, do service-oriented things, it keeps people, not, not, not that we mean to, but it keeps people in kind of a victim role and a victim mentality and in a, a state of helplessness rather than um, empowering them to be able to uh, move forward and to increase and to grow and to do things on their own. So I really, really appreciated that distinction. And, and the, the, the particular avenue that you have chosen to help people is through real estate, which I find fascinating because that's not, um, you know, as I've talked to different people who all do wonderful things, that this is a first for me, first time that I have heard that uh, this as an avenue. And yet it's brilliant because we all need a place to live. So do yeah. you want to talk about how you got started in that and where that came from and the direction that that's going? Sure. So my parents were actually real estate investors since before I was born. And when I was about 11 years old, my dad went to a workshop to learn more how to invest in real estate. You know, there's these seminars that they hold nationwide where they can teach you more of the details of investing on a larger scale. So my dad became a, a student of this company. This was back when I was 11 years old. And within a matter of five or six months, he basically became a multimillionaire through investing in real estate. And um, I say that just because people, you know, in that, that business would understand the capacity of that, but that's not to brag or anything like that because my life didn't change much, you know, when, when the 
became financially well off because we do still have that hard work mentality. So my dad made sure that if I ever wanted to invest in real estate, he was not going to give me the properties or the money. He said, you're going to go the same path I did and you're going to learn how to do it. So long story short, when I was about 25 years old, I just finished the Miss Florida USA pageant. And I don't want to say that I was, I was becoming depressed again, but I think I was at a another crossroads in my life of wanting more than where I was currently at. And that was wanting financial freedom and wanting money to be coming in without me having to go to work. And more importantly, without asking permission to have holidays off or weekends off or, you know, birthdays off and things like that. So 25 years old, I decided, you know what, I want to start investing in real estate. So my dad said, you're going to go, you know, to the same company I did, which was legacy education. I became a student of their company in February of 2016. I started taking classes on how to learn how to invest in real estate, leveraging other people's money, because at that time I was in a terrible financial position. I did not have capital to be able to go out there and buy real estate and put 20% down like we're all taught. So um, in a matter of about six months or so, I actually fell into a deal. And I, I say fell into because I, I truly believe everything happens for a reason. And I believe like it was fate, you know, it, it was meant to happen at that point in my life. So I uh, basically, I met somebody who um, knew a whole lot about recovery and drug and alcohol addiction, but didn't know a whole lot about real estate. And I fortunately knew a lot about real estate and knew I had a desire to help people in that space, but I didn't understand you know, the process to doing so. So we basically joined forces and got our first recovery home in August of 2016, where we were able to house 12 men in drug and alcohol recovery. And that that property was a safe haven for several men who were wanting to get their life back. And so that, you know, spiraled into so many other things from there. But that was the first real opportunity that I felt like real estate was being used for purpose rather than just for profit. Wow. Okay. That is epically awesome. Okay. So yeah. when you're in the process of, of creating this or, or finding this, this home, this location to be able to help these people, who buys the home and who is paying the rent and do the, do the, do the tenants? I mean, are they, is the government doing it? I mean, tell me so more. There's so many different avenues to it. And that's why we kind of teach this more in depth at, at legacy education, because there's so many different facets to it. And depending on your level of understanding of real estate, of money, of, you know, the, the programs that you want to work with, it can all kind of depend on that, but there are levels to it. So there, there are instances where um, the government would pay a portion a particular population that I'm working with now where I started my own organization is Whitney's Place. And I'm actually working with men and women coming out of prison. And with that, sometimes the Department of Corrections actually has, you know, a, an allowance basically that these individuals can have for housing for a certain portion of time. So sometimes the money is coming directly from the individual who just wants a safe place to live. Maybe it may, might come from the family, depending on how you're structured, it could potentially come from insurance, could come from um, the VA, you know, whatever population you're working with that individual may or may not have extra types of funding available to them. And then purchasing the property, same thing. You may own it through a business, a nonprofit, an individual. Sometimes we do these deals and we don't even own the properties. You just, you can lease them from the owner and be able to kind of sublease them to somebody else because you have a mission and a plan and a business in that as well. So it you know, really depends, but there's a lot of different opportunities throughout whether you're in a position to pay for the property yourself or not. That is incredible. So Thank do you, you help like homeless people as well to be able to, to, yes. get wow. yep. Yep. it's, you know, it's for basically anybody who needs a, a safe place to live and you don't necessarily have to be a member of the vulnerable population, like, you know, a veteran or a, a single mom or a victim of human trafficking, but 
those are where the greatest need is. So, you know, a lot of times we, we want to end homelessness. That's really the plan. And if you can do so through a program that's already set up to help these people, you know, be successful beyond just a safe place to live, you can do that. But there's, there's one individual in particularly who I, I know that has had a very close place in my heart. And he just celebrated, I want to say, four years of sobriety after living in one of the homes that we had. And it, that's what it's about, you know, is giving people that opportunity to get their life back. And then it's a trickle effect. It's not even that individual. It's that individual's parents and that individual's children and that individual's spouse. It's all their lives change when you do something like this. That is amazing. And I Thank love you. to hear the success stories. So let's, how do you, how do you, how do you qualify to be it? Because unfortunately we live in a place and a time, well, I guess humanity is the same, where, where some people would like to take advantage of a situation, sure. that, an opportunity rather than, rather than using it as a chance right. of, of growth and recovery to use it as, ooh, is there a handout somewhere? So right. how do you, right. how do you qualify and how do you, um, I don't know. I mean, once someone stays, are they there forever or, or are there some rules um, they have to follow? Not necessarily. It kind of depends on, again, what which group you're working with. So let's say we're working with someone in drug and alcohol recovery. A lot of times those individuals are working a treatment program and their, their treatment program may or may not be covered by insurance. If it is covered by insurance, that's great because they have the ability to cover their, their treatment. But eventually... Once that person does get clean and sober and that insurance policy runs out, there may be a position where there's no longer money available. So what we encourage these individuals to do, and a lot of times what the, the housing programs state to state will require, is that, yes, you do have house rules. You do require them to have a job. You do help them find a job. You, you get food stamps for the individuals who need it. You put people in a good position. So not only are we providing a safe home, but we also teach them life skills so that they can, you know, re-enter society in whatever capacity and be able to make something of themselves. That is amazing. That combination of learning and doing, because so many people are not going to be aware of the resources that are available. I'm not aware of all the resources that are available. Right. So being able to, to learn what these things are and then to be able to have that level of accountability. And to be able to say, we have expectations for you. I think those are the things that really empower a person to be able to um, learn and then to be able to be accountable for myself and for my, my actions and also for um, my, my rent, if possible, all of these yes. things. So what a beautiful, amazing thing. Now, I'm imagining that you are not personally teaching every single person. So are you the person who connects the resources and says, ah, Here's someone who can teach you about this and here's someone who can teach you about that and, and go to this class or, or how do you organize that? There sounds like it's so multifaceted. It certainly is. And so there's a couple ways. I'm actually right now writing a book called Housing for Social Good, and it's a guide to learning how to invest for both profit and purpose. It is just kind of a basic guide to have a better understanding of everything. So I have a book and, you know, I do like personal mentorship type things to be able to help people. But a lot of times we do want them to have a foundation of understanding not only this housing for social good aspect, but also real estate, also what we call asset protection. So you understand the, the legalities behind owning a property like this, or even getting into an opportunity like this. Um, we also teach classes on, you know, renovating properties, because maybe you do find an opportunity that has the great bones, but it needs updated. So we do have ways of teaching people, um, you know, how to do this stuff. And sometimes it is me, but sometimes it's not me as well. We do have a whole team of people with legacy education who kind of, you know, start to, to get people to understand all facets of the business. That's incredible. So how does someone reach legacy education? Do you just type that in online and that'll take you there? Or? 
Sure. So there's a couple ways. You could either um, find me. I'm on Instagram. So it's Wit Chafin on Instagram, just W-H-I-T-C-H-A-F-F-I-N. We also have our LegacyEducation.com website. Um, we're starting actually an investor club that people can be a part of as well, where we'll have different tidbits of information that's kind of thrown out there for those who may not be 100% sure they want to do something like this. And then my whitneysplace.org website will actually have a link to any education that I'm a part of, as well as my book. So if anybody's wanting just kind of like the basic understanding, I'm still not sure how we're going to deliver that, if it's going to be like a hard book or an ebook, but it's in the works of being written right now. So it should be done next week, actually. Wow. Okay. So coming yeah. right up. Well, congratulations yes. on your first book. Thank That's you. fantastic. Thank you. Thanks Wonderful. a lot. Well, I'll make sure to include links so that people sure. who are listening will be able to contact you and Great. be able to move forward because it sounds amazing. And it sounds like if there are more investors, more people who are a part of this, then they're able to help more people, which I think is a really big deal. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. All right. So now you are a new mom. Is that correct? I am. Yes, so, I have. He'll be three months old tomorrow. Yes. How and exciting. He's, um, yeah, he's amazing. So tell me how that, this whole new chapter in your life is affecting what you do and why you do it. It's definitely been a shift. And I, I was just actually writing an introduction for a piece of something else I'm working on today. And, um, you know, I was, I was kind of like analyzing the, the past few years of my life. And I think when COVID happened, it definitely shifted, you know, a lot of people's visions, their, their missions. And for me, I was in the process of buying a property to be able to start renting to, to men coming out of prison. And I ended up having to back out of that deal because of COVID impacting me financially. So mm -hmm. I ended up not buying that home, but I traded that to be able to have a family. And so I, um, I found out I was pregnant shortly after that, um, engaged to the love of my life. And we are now, you know, working on this mission together. And what's I think shifted mostly is I've always wanted to help men and women in active addiction and men and women coming out of prison. But now, and since then I have such a greater desire to give to children. And I've always wanted to give to kids. I've worked with a, an organization called Place of Hope that I'm very close with where they actually house children aging out of foster care. But now I'm starting to even see how I would eventually maybe even want to become a foster mom because it's just a different ball game. You know, you start seeing a little baby and if you can actually take a, someone at that, that, you know, vulnerable young age and mold them into greatness and, and provide shelter and all the, you know, the love and give things that I, I do for adults, for kids, I think that's even more impactful. Oh, that's beautiful. I Thank love you. that turn. And congratulations on your new family. That's so exciting. So let's talk about foster care for just a minute, if that's okay. Sure. I think that it's wonderful that there's um, some resources that go beyond aging out of foster care. Because when you think of reaching age 18, how much you still don't know. And to say, okay, all right, we took care of you. Now you're an adult. Go yep. do it. I mean, ah, that's yep. huge. So what kinds of resources are available for these kids? So there's, I mean, it, it all depends on the individual again. And I hate saying that because I don't want it to sound like there's only, you know, something for certain people. But it's, it's what I mean by that is if let's say somebody is in foster care and they've not yet been adopted and they age out of the system at 18 years old, a lot of the times they're aging out of the system. So at 18, if they're not adopted, they technically don't have anywhere to go. And a lot of times we find these 18-year-olds homeless. We find them in, in situations where they may be victims of human trafficking or, or do whatever they can to find a place to live. Now, what's worse than that is those individuals also may have little brothers and sisters who are still in foster care. So if they do, one of two things usually happens. Either they will get separated from their brothers and sisters because the little ones are going to be raised by a foster family, or that 18-year-old will 
will take responsibility for them because now, you know, a little boy or girl doesn't want to be separated from the one family member they have. So a lot of times that's why we see more children who are homeless than nearly any other population out there. So there is an organization I speak on because I am very closely related to this, this nonprofit, but their name here in South Florida is called Place of Hope. And what they do is they actually build a campus for children and families aging out of foster care or children of neglected families. And they actually have a campus of housing, of support that they actually house these children in. And they, they have a house mom and they uh, take donations from investors like myself and they've built these beautiful campuses for these people to also get their life back. And at those those um, campuses, they have uh, life skills, you know, workshops, they offer cooking classes, they teach them how to do interviews. And so not only are they a shelter for them and their living, but they also have all these avenues to learn life skills, just like anybody else, you know, coming out of prison or anything else that we, we work with in these populations. The difference between what they do and what I do is they function as a nonprofit. So what I do is any profit that I make through my business, I take that and I donate it to nonprofits like Place of Hope. And most notably in 2019, I was actually able to donate $25,000 to them. And they took that money that I donated them and they actually built a library and filled it with financial education books that Legacy Education actually donated on my behalf. But what's even cooler than that is April 16th of 2019, they named that library after me and my family. So oh, it's really, really cool how, you know, when you give to the world, it really does come back to you. That's beautiful. And because you. you had other people on your team, that $25,000 carried even more weight than it would have just if, if it was just on your own. Yep. That's incredible. No, I'm yep. so grateful. That is a really, really big deal because that gives people a chance, a chance yep. to be able to be successful and to be happy and to be safe. We have to start with being safe and having a place to live that is comfortable and having people be able to teach and having an opportunity. That is huge. So thank you for your service and for all the well, things that you've done and the, the influence that you have on the lives of these kids. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's crazy how life works out. You know, I never knew that this was kind of the path I was going to take. And now I'm, I'm 31 years old and it's been, I feel like I've been working at stuff like this for my whole life. But if I look back now, I'm like, wow, I'm only 31. And I've done so many, you know, things that have been really fulfilling to me that I, if, if I can help one other person do something similar that, you know, that's worth it to me. Oh, you're definitely helping more than one other person. And Thank so you. many different facets. It's fascinating how you have the interests in so many different fields. So do you have connections of people who are, are, are um, in the foster care system or that are recovering from the, the drug and addiction or are coming out of prison or it just is just your heart just awesome? It's a combination. Yeah, the, the foster care, I don't have anyone particularly like in my family who was in the foster care system, but addiction and reentry, I do. I've had a lot of friends and family members suffer from addiction. Um, have spent time in prison, in and out of prison. And so I have actually learned a lot about the prison system just from my own family of, mm -hmm. of sending money or sending letters to family members and learning how that works and how, you know, when you're in prison, you may get a, a pair of underwear and a tank top, and that's all you have for the entire duration that you're there. Or, you know, I've learned how far $20 can actually go in the prison system or how far it will not go in the prison system, depending on where they're actually located. So there's been a lot of just family stuff that I've learned through the years. And I think that it, I, I'm also amazed at how now I actually do this as a business and, and you know, do this for a living, I should say, and, and make it my, my livelihood. It's just crazy how it all works out. 
I never knew, you know, growing up that this is exactly what I wanted to do or that I was going to do. But I think those personal relationships and experiences definitely shape us, whether we know it or not. Definitely. Definitely. And I'm thinking now back on your story of being in California and deciding to move to Florida. And I think that that was an upgrade, not a missed opportunity, but a, a course correction that that enabled you to be able to help so many other people along the path that it's quite beautiful. So I guess things happen for a reason, right? They do. I truly believe that. And it's, it's interesting because even to get out of California, I... You know, I took any job I could just to get me to Florida. And that job was working at a car dealership. So I'm thinking to myself, leaving California, I'm leaving TV to go work at a car dealership. Like, what? what's, why? Like, what? what's wrong with me? Why am I, you know, giving up my dream for this? But that was the best thing I could have done for myself. Because at that dealership, my role was to actually do advertising for, um, well, basically, I, I worked as the marketing director for the owner of the dealership. And the owners happened to be completely blind, like they had no usable vision whatsoever. So they're, you know, the traditional forms of advertising where you do print or you do TV, they didn't really like that because they couldn't see it. So it was like for them, you know, it, it wasn't doing a whole lot. But what they really liked to do was a lot of grassroots advertising. So we had nonprofits that would approach the dealership and say, hey, we would love to have Lincoln Motor Company, you know, be the, the corporate sponsor for our event, the, the co corporate Advertising fee for that is $10,000, for example. So I would be the one securing that advertising for those nonprofits to where the point was, I, I think when I started, we had six nonprofits we worked with. By the time I was done, I think we were up to 67 nonprofits. So I got this huge you know, relationship with all of these different organizations. And that's how I was actually nominated for Miss Florida. But what I learned is all of those nonprofits, not even just, you know, recovery and reentry and children in foster care, but every single one of those nonprofits lacked housing. So it's, you know, this is not just a, a vulnerable population thing. This is even extends to nonprofits. We had a woman working at our dealership who was suffering from uh, breast cancer and she couldn't get to and from her appointments and she had no place to live that was safe to be able to recover from her treatments. So, you know, right there, you could have a medical type of shared housing. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, someone who's, you know, in a vulnerable state, but I mean, I guess they, they are on both sides of that, but it, it, it just extends beyond what we've even talked about. That's incredible. Well, do you want to talk about the law of attraction a little bit? Oh, it seems I like you have pulled things into your life that were just yes. right for you. Yes. I truly believe that um, the life that I have, I've manifested, the good and the bad. I, I truly believe that. And I think my gratitude practices is really what got me into that. I, I never really understood the law of attraction and manifesting things until COVID happened. Because right before COVID, I was saying to myself, like, you know, I'm doing great things. I was actually a professional speaker traveling the nation, explaining what I do right now, like what, what I'm talking about now. But I was paid to do this on a national scale. And one, you know, I wanted to manifest money and I did that. Secondly, I wanted to manifest, uh, you know, the, the most handsome man in the world. And I wrote down exactly what I wanted in another being. And a month later, he appeared in my life randomly. Wow. Um, we have uh, a beautiful baby boy. I said I wanted a family. The engagement ring that I visioned in my mind and wrote down, I now have on my finger, and my fiance had never seen it. So it's, it's just really? amazing how you can truly do that. But I think it's a lot of what you give. If you have good energy and you're in a, a vibrational state that allows for that for other people to come in, I, I do believe it happens. And you are witness and proof that it does. Yeah. 
That is awesome. And I'm sure that your personal mission of paying it forward is also also very helpful in being able to manifest all of these wonderful things. So I'm delighted to have a chance to meet with you today and to visit and to learn about all the incredible things that you're doing and these resources that are available. It just makes my heart just so happy to know because I think we're all well not we're all myself and many other people we're, we're trying to do good in the world we're trying to bring good and to learn of some of the things that the other people are doing it's like oh that's so wonderful that this good is being done because there's so much need and there and I think any every person can contribute and to help make the world a better place so thank you for visiting with me today I, I really appreciate your time yeah, you're very welcome, and I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. I, I hope that um, those listening, you know, take something from this to be able to go out there and manifest the life they want to. I do, too. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by Rick Price. He said, every moment of your life is a second chance. Today, I invite you to embrace your second chances and support and encourage others who are trying to do the same. See you next time on Linda's Corner.